So you guys know that 2018 is a year that we have committed to get back to the basics of our faith, to inspect our faith all the way down to its foundations, to make sure that they are firm. And so every month what we're doing is we're taking an elementary teaching of Christ, like it says in Hebrews 6, um, that talks about the elementary teachings of Christ. And so we're going back each month and taking an elementary teaching of Christ or a subject or a topic of Jesus, the gospel, our faith, and, uh, and, and making sure that it's firm in our life. The month of May, even though last week I talked about community, the month of May is designated to the topic of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to do um, the very best I can to give you a, a kind of a, hopefully a balanced blend of theological and practical so that you can be more spiritual. Fist pump? Yes. How many of you are like, yes, I want to be more spiritual? Yes. Of course you do. If you don't, then you just need to leave now. I'm kidding. But when I say, uh, when I say spiritual, I'm not talking about religious. Please understand the difference. I'm not talking about we want to become more religious. We want to be more spiritual, meaning that we want to live lives that are led by the spirit of the living God. Amen. And I do have a ton to say. I got a lot of scriptures that we want to use, but I want to lead off with something that it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it tells us that the spirit helps us in our weakness. Okay, now if you didn't hear anything else and you're wanting to know what is this Holy Spirit thing about, you could boil it down to Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that the Holy Spirit was given to be a helper for us in times of weakness. And if we were all willing to admit it, we would admit that we are some of the weakest people that we know. Is that the way you would say that? If you know I'm weak, raise your hand. Yes, we all are. I remember I got saved in 1993. I came to the Lord. I gave my life to the Lord. And there was, I, knew, I knew in that moment when I walked that aisle, I knew that something changed. You know, if you've been, if you've been saved, if God has saved you out of a licentious lifestyle, a lifestyle of greed and lust and anger and all of those things, malice, those things that, you know, that used to hold us in, in bondage, when God saves you, you know it. Am I right? When God saves you, you know it. And so I knew in 1993 that I came to the Lord and he transferred me out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. I knew that. I felt it deep within. But over the next year, I started realizing that so much of my old self was still taking over. You guys know what I'm saying? Some things changed automatically, but there were so many areas in my life where I was still defeated. I was still thinking certain things and doing certain things. My heart was still bent certain ways and my hands still reached for certain things. And it was, it was really starting to bug me. And it started even making me question whether or not I was even saved. You guys know what I'm talking about? Most of us are very familiar with that. And I can remember one weekend, we got a call. It was a Friday night. And Melissa and I got a call. We were married by this point. It was about a year later roughly a year later, we got a call from a friend of ours who is a professional musician. His name's Dallas Holm. Does anybody know who Dallas Holm is? I'm telling you that name, not to drop names. Some of you don't know who it is anyway. 
But he's a professional music, Christian musician. He goes out on tour, and he was uh, on tour down in the Houston area, if I remember right. And he called, and he said, ah, my, my, uh, my trailer lost a wheel or something. And he said, could you grab a truck and bring a new trailer or something? He wanted us to bring something to him. And uh, he said, if you can bring it down to me, drive down to me, you guys can just stay with me for the rest of the tour. And I was like, yes, we'll do that, because I was a musician, and I like that kind of stuff. I'm going on tour, you know. Anyway, I was 20. What did I know? Okay, so we, we drove down there, and, and um, we helped him do all that. We, I think, total, we went to two or three concerts. And so a couple of concerts in a row where I'm hearing more of the gospel, hearing more of Dallas, share songs, share his testimony. And one night on the bus, because he had this big bus, and we were able to sleep on the bus. One night on the bus, um, I, had, I had picked up a, a, a book off of his product table. I didn't steal it. He said I could have it, although in the old self, I would have probably stolen it. Anyway. So I started reading it, and the book was called This Is My Story, and it was written by him. This is my story, and it was basically his journey from being a a doofus to being a disciple. I like that T-shirt on that, doofus to disciple, doofus on the front, disciple on the back. And it was his story, and I was shocked at how similar some of the details of his story was to my life. And so I'm reading it, and I devoured that book because I was in a place where um, I just, I needed something. I needed something because this, my life wasn't changing the way that I wanted it to. And I devoured that book. And I remember, guys, it's probably in the, it's in the a.m. hours, the bus driver's driving, and I'm just sitting there at this little table portion. Of, everybody else is asleep except the bus driver wasn't asleep. You know, he was driving. So I'm crying, just full of tears at this table because one of the things that he mentioned in this book was our need for the Holy Spirit. And he talks about the Holy Spirit. He didn't go into theological depth. He just went into some practical acknowledgement of who the Holy Spirit is and what he is to the believer. I didn't know anything like that. And I'll talk about this in a second, but I had been in a church really for about a year and I'd heard the Holy Spirit talked about and, and, and there's the subject matter here, but never really talked in depth about what he can do for me. And right there in that moment, I remember surrendering my life to the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to talk about this either next week or the week after. And really, I believe that's what Scripture calls being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. When you allow yourself to be completely immersed in the control of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't float around the bus. I didn't display any particular spiritual gift. I just wept. And I was at peace, and I knew something had been deposited into me that I, not that I didn't have, and again, we'll explain some of those details, but that I acknowledged for the first time. But the key word, everybody say it together submit. I submitted to the Holy Spirit. And it was a wonderful, and along the way, I've learned something very important, and I want to share that with you as my sermon in the sentence tonight. Because people try to make a distinction. And, and communicate it in different ways. But let me give you a real simple thing for a basis tonight. This is my sermon in the sentence tonight. What I've learned. I've learned that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. And I could, I could stay on that particular thing for an hour and talk to you about all the ways, and we will some. But at the end of the day, Jesus said, I point to the Father, the Holy Spirit points to me. 
I came down to rescue the world. I'm going to leave you a helper. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to point to me. So Jesus left, but he left the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is continuing the work of Jesus Christ. The vision of our church, if you don't know it, you ought to, is in short, helping people live the life of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what we exist for. What do you, why, are y'all, why are y'all even around? Why are y'all over there on 3700 Old Bullard? Well, what we see is a massive group of people living a life worthy of the calling that they've received in Jesus. Okay, but is this not true? Without the Holy Spirit, it is impossible for you to live a life that is worthy of Jesus Christ. Of course it is. Without the Holy Spirit, it is impossible to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. You can't live the life that Jesus has called us to live without the Holy Spirit. Now let me say this, and I want you to listen, and this is going to bug some of you and encourage others. If a Christ follower is not continually looking a little more and more and more like Jesus Christ over the course of their life, one, they may not really be Christ followers. That's a tough word, but that is the truth. If there is not a continual progression and change, even little amounts, to look more and more like Jesus, then they may not actually be a Christ follower, or they may literally be in rebellion, and they're completely ignoring the Holy Spirit. They're not allowing the Holy Spirit to reign and rule, right? We talk about submission, not submitting to the Holy Spirit in their life, like on purpose, okay? So maybe they don't belong to the Lord, or maybe they do, but they're in a, in a place of rebellion. Believe it or not, Christians can be in a place of rebellion and like halt that progression of sanctification, which means looking more and more like Jesus in their life. That's what rebellion does. It, it stalls you out. But listen, here's, the, here's what I believe is the truth about the majority of people that may not be growing more and more and more like Christ. Simply this, they may not have had a solid understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and the role that the Holy Spirit plays. And that's what the month of May is dedicated to, to give us a solid understanding of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a lot of pastors that speak of the Holy Spirit. They talk about the Holy Spirit in a message. Um, they, they use that word, they, but they don't teach on the Holy Spirit. You guys know that there is a difference, right? You guys hear what I'm saying? There is a difference. Um, hopefully that we'll be inspired and challenged to allow the Holy Spirit to reign and rule in our lives. Paul talks about all through his letters, the epistles, he talks about the, the, um, the, the battle the tension between flesh, our desires that, that look like our old self, our f- old fleshly desires, and then the new desires that we should be walking in with in the spirit, the flesh and the spirit, the battle in between. And we talk a lot around here about how at the end of the day, the spirit has to win because if the spirit ain't winning, the flesh is winning. And when the flesh is winning, <coughs> man, it's ugly. How many of you know that? Yeah, we know it intimately. But I hope also this month to that we will all learn to present him in a way, present the Holy Spirit in a way like, uh, or to learn about the Holy Spirit in a way that would be really easy for us to communicate to other people, like in a discipleship situation, 
Okay, like how could I simply transfer what I've learned over to someone else? Hopefully we'll get something that, again, theological but practical so that we can be more spiritual. All of us should be engaged in discipleship, being discipled and then pouring into someone else. At some point, you may be across the coffee shop table or you may be in your home on the couch or you may be going for a walk at Rose Redmond Trail with a younger person or with someone, a discipleship situation, and your disciple may ask you, or you may even be here tonight and you, are, you have been asking, so the Holy Spirit, what is it? Like, what is it? The first thing I want to throw out to you is that the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a who. That might be new information for some, but the Holy Spirit is a who. In fact, he is a he. I want you to literally turn to John 16. I want to read something. John 16, verse 7. Love for you to mark it in your Bible if you're able to, if you have a pen. And if you want to, you could underline every time Jesus himself says the word he or the word him. You ready? John chapter 16, starting in verse 7. But I tell you the truth. Okay, right there from the start, you know Jesus ain't lying. Okay, just saying. <laughs> I'm so sorry I sound like Kermit the Frog up here, you know? <laughs> Forgive me. It's not my fault. It's the pollen. But I tell you the truth, John 16, starting in verse 7, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. Okay, just established he's talking about the helper. That word helper um, is, is translated, uh, well, I'll get into that in a minute. Okay, if I go, I will send him to you. Check it out. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Bump on down to verse 13. When he, the spirit of truth, again, we know he's talking about the Holy Spirit. When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth and he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, and he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Is there any doubt that the Holy Spirit is not a person? Or, I say that wrong? Is there any doubt... You know that he's a person, right? That's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) You're tracking with me. That's good. Listen, the Holy Spirit is a person. And I want you to write these things down and give you some scriptures. The Holy Spirit is a person who has insight. That's good because we need insight. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10 and 11 says that the Spirit knows the thoughts of God and helps us to know them. I remember when, when um, this is just last fall, last fall, we got to looking at finances and we've always had a heart to be good stewards. Our leadership's like, what's the best way can we can steward? We're looking at our rent and we're thinking, man, we could almost own something for the amount that we're paying in rent. And so we believe we heard the Lord say, we'll pray about it. 
Start asking. So we did. Within six weeks, we found this new building. It came to us. Isn't that cool? So it seems like we heard the Lord. He had the, um, he had the uh, uh, insight to communicate. He knows the thoughts of God and helped us to know them. Right? But then it goes even further. Let me tell you a little bit more of the story. So Marvin and I, always looking at buildings and stuff, Marvin saw um, a building for sale somewhere else, and it was actually the other Nazarene building out by UT Tyler. And he said, oh, there's one over there for sale. I said, well, I'll go look at it. So I went over there. We're talking on the phone. I'm looking at it, walking around the property. He said, this place is nice. Kind of way over here on the other side of town, but it's nice. And so I'm describing it to him. He's on the phone trying to, or he's on the computer or whatever, trying to figure out how much it's worth. And he said, oh, well, wait. I go, what? He goes, it's $2 million. I was like, you know what I mean? I almost threw up right there on the property. (laughs) And I said, well, let's move on. So I drive away. But then I remembered someone that I know, someone in our congregation grew up in a Nazarene church. And so I called them. I said, hey, what if we like talked to those people and somehow got realtors out of the thing. We, could we get them to some sort of manageable you know, situation? He goes, oh, I don't know about that, but I do know that the Nazarene church there on Old Bullard is, is in some sort of transition. I was like, what kind of transition? You, know? you, you guys, the Holy Spirit is leading this conversation, and through those little things, those little pieces of insight, we were able to, it was on a Friday, on a Friday, um, uh, I, had, I had our friend, I'll just tell him who it is, it's Ben and Jessica Clark. Raise your hand. You can all thank Ben Clark. He said on, on a Friday, um, he called and let them know their congregation met or their leaders met that Sunday to hear from the Lord, get some insight. The next day they called me. They said, we'd like to meet with you in one week. So a week later, I'm meeting with them. And we're all listening and we're all talking. And man, that's just part of the story. Where I mean, it's like, the timing of all that and the way that he led, I guess what I'm trying to say is he really does have insight. The Spirit knows the thoughts of God, what God's up to, and he helps us to know them. You guys hear what I'm saying? I mean, what do Marvin and I know? I'm just kidding. The Holy Spirit is a person who has knowledge. Romans 8 verse 27 talks about the mind of the Spirit. I'm not going to have time to go off on all of these. The Holy Spirit has a will. In 1 Corinthians 12, it starts listing the spiritual gifts that are available to those who are in Christ Jesus. And it says that the Holy Spirit distributes those gifts just as He wills or wants or desires or determines. He has a will. Okay, and again, I could go on and on and on. Let me give you one more that can prove that the Holy Spirit is a person, a person of The Trinity, that's this. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. If you look in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Some people say that um, if you sin, that grieves the Holy Spirit. I believe that is grievous to the Holy Spirit. But you know what grieves the Holy Spirit more than anything? For us to know that he's supposed to be in charge, and yet we won't let him be. That's what grieves the Holy Spirit more than anything. His job, the reason he was sent was to be our helper. And when we won't let him help, be the comforter, be the, these things we're about to list. When we don't do that, that grieves him. He's like, well, what am I here for then? You guys hear what I'm saying? Not saying that our sin isn't grievous because it is. But what grieves him more is when we will not just submit to him and let him be what he was sent here to be by Jesus himself. Because the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a continuation 
of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll do what I say. You'll do what I command. So the Holy Spirit's at, uh, spurring us on. Okay, we said the Holy Spirit's not an it. I want you, I'm going to say this really quick, quickly, but I want you to hear me. If you view the Holy Spirit as an it, you will either be afraid of him or you will abuse him. Now, please listen to me. You will, if you see the Holy Spirit, if you don't understand he's a person that you have a relationship with, you will, either, you will either be afraid of the Holy Spirit or you will abuse the Holy Spirit. Let me explain what I mean very quickly. There are many denominations that exclude the Holy Spirit in their teachings, especially some of the deeper work of the Holy Spirit. Some even say he doesn't exist today or, or that, um, that he ceased with the apostles, specifically, particularly the spiritual gifts and some of the, um, the greater workings that he does in a believer. They acknowledge that he, he can woo you and lead you to Christ. They acknowledge um, that he baptizes you into the kingdom and some of those basic things, which we believe too, but they stop there and say everything else has died out with the apostles. And so if you see some sort of display of, uh, of a spiritual gift like prophecy or a word of knowledge or, uh, you know, um, um, speaking in tongues or anything like that, then that's, that's wrong. It's, it's, it's the devil or whatever, because those things don't exist anymore. That's not true. You can't even, you can't even add that up in scripture. Okay. I want to affirm that we don't believe that. Okay. And so what happens is there's many people who are just afraid to kind of step into the deeper things, the deeper workings of the Holy Spirit. The far pendulum swing of that is, is those who abuse the Holy Spirit. They use uh, the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit to, um, to manipulate and control other people. You see it a lot of times in the church. Well, the Holy Spirit told me that you're supposed to come, you know, wash my feet or whatever. You know, the Holy Spirit told me that you're supposed to do this or I feel like all kinds of ways. Again, I don't have time to get into, there, into that. Uh, people faking the gifts, faking gifts of the Spirit, all kinds of stuff that we have seen. And uh, man, we see, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You've seen the Holy Spirit abused. That, is, that grieves the Holy Spirit, I believe, because he's like, uh, yeah, that's not me. It's very important. You, you listen, to, to understand the Holy Spirit so that you're not afraid of him and so that you don't, <clears throat> so that you don't abuse him. You can't boast about having a relationship with God and, and continue to be ignorant of the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean ignorant, ignorant as in an ignoramus, but just not understanding. Again, that's the point of May is to help us understand. You guys with me? Real quickly, uh, let me affirm again, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. What I want to do really quickly is show you three primary things to have your, uh, your head and your heart wrapped around as it relates to who the Holy Spirit is in your lives. And I'd love for you to write these down, uh, uh, write the, the, the points down and write the scriptures down and go and study this on your own, okay? Go look these up on your own. First of all, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Earlier I mentioned that he's part of the Trinity. He's the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you're new to the faith and you don't know much about the Trinity, I wish I had more time to talk about that, but I'm sure you can either ask someone around you or look it up on your own, get into the um, scriptures and see how Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there are three um, distinct pe- uh, persons, attributes of God, and yet they are at the very same time one, okay? So the first thing is that the Holy Spirit is God. My favorite 
I hate to say proof, but I think that's the right word. My favorite scripture to prove that is in Acts chapter 5. I could give you a lot, but just to keep it simple. In Acts chapter 5, this is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You guys remember that story. Um, Everybody, the Holy Spirit's doing all kinds of stuff. The body of Christ is just booming. And um, everybody's uh, giving up themselves. Nobody was, had need because everybody was, was helping each other out. And there's this one couple, Ananias and Sapphira, that had a piece of property. And uh, they committed that they were going to sell that property, property and give it all to uh, the church, give it all to the apostles, okay? And so here they are. They, um, um, they came before Peter, and Ananias basically said, okay, here's the money that I sold for the property. And God spoke to Peter in one of the spiritual gifts, what you would call a word of knowledge. And, and Peter knew inside of his heart, because the Holy Spirit had insight to reveal it to him. <clears throat> he knew that Ananias was lying about the amount that he got for the property. And he says, Ananias, bro, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? So who is Ananias lying to? He's not even lying to Peter. Who is he lying to? The Holy Spirit. Well, we haven't got to that part yet. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? He said, before you sold it, was it not your own? He said, after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? And what Peter's saying is like, dude, you could do whatever you wanted to. Nobody told you you had to sell that land. Nobody told you how much of the profit um, you had to give. You could have done what? You didn't have to sell the land. The land was yours to do whatever you want to. The problem is, is that you said that you sold it for this much and you were going to give all of it, but you didn't. You lied. He said you lied to the Holy Spirit. And then look what he says. Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to men but to God. Did you see it right there? So earlier he says, you lie. Why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? And then a couple sentences later he says, you've lied to God. Because you lied to the Holy Spirit, you've lied to God. The Holy Spirit is God. He's part of the Trinity. A couple more. We know that he was there in the beginning. The Holy Spirit was there at the beginning. The earth was formless and void. The Spirit of God hovered over the water. He was there in the beginning. He's here in the now. You guys know um, in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? The psalmist is asking that, and and he goes on to tell you, nowhere. The spirit is anywhere. I can go to the depths, and he's going to be there. I could go to the heights, and he's going to be there because he is ever-present help in time of need. There's nowhere you can go without the spirit because he's there in the now. 1 Corinthians 2 says that the spirit knows the thoughts of God and helps us to know them, like what we talked about a while ago. He is there every time we need him, anytime we need him. Amen. Um, he's there at the end. If you look in Revelations 22, it says, uh, it says all this stuff, and then it says the spirit and the bride say come. Even in the very last chapters of the Bible, it talks about how the Sp- uh, Holy Spirit is there in the end and invites you to come. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is God. I know that sounds basic, but you would be amazed at how not acknowledging that, not just theologically, but practically in our lives, how it can really throw you off from living a life worthy of the calling. You guys hear what I'm saying? The next thing is that the Holy Spirit is good. The Holy Spirit is good. Everybody say that. The Holy Spirit is good. He has to be. Why? Because he's God. (laughs) And God is good, right? We sing the song to our kid at night. Yes, we have to believe it. The Holy Spirit is good. Why? 
Let me just go through these real quick because he convicts us of sin. I don't like it when he convicts me of sin. Yeah, but if he didn't, then you wouldn't know to repent. And sin separates us from God. That communication gets broken off. Remember that divide we were talking about? <clears throat> John 16 says the Holy Spirit convicts the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness. He counsels us. He teaches us. John 14, 26, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you things and bring to your remembrance everything that I've told you. Uh, he's the comforter, John 14, 16. Uh, John 16, 13 says that he's a guide. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He's our friend. This one this one's may sound funny, but I believe he is. He's a person. He's our friend. In Psalm 51, after a, a really big failure, um, David says, um, cast me not away from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David had a relationship. Even though he had messed up, he knew that without the Holy Spirit, he's a goner. Lord, please don't take my friend from me, my helper, the one that has gotten me this far. Please forgive me for grieving him by coming out from under his submission and doing this deed with Bathsheba, but don't take him from me. I believe that David saw God as a friend, saw the Holy Spirit as a friend. And then, of course, in Romans 8, 26, it says that in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit does. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. So he convicts, counsels, comforts, guides. He's our friend. He prays for us. He's good. These things that he is and does for us is good. You guys with me? Am I going too fast? The last one, I could keep going, but I'm just going to give you three. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Write that down. The Holy Spirit is a gift. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus tells his disciples to wait for the gift that my Father has promised. Wait for the gift that my Father has promised. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And let me say this. The Holy Spirit is a gift to us, given to us, John 10, 16, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, he will come to you. He's a gift given to us, okay? If you can see that, God said, here, saints, here, followers of me, here's a gift, the Holy Spirit. He's also a gift for us, same verse, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. If you really think about it, how is it to our advantage, Jesus, who walks on water and makes the lame leap and the blind see and the dead raise from the grave? How is it to our advantage that you go away? We want to keep you right here, right? But that's not what he says. It would not be to your advantage if I stay. What will be to your advantage, a gift for you? For your advantage is for me to go away and send the helper, to send the Holy Spirit. And then my favorite is the Holy Spirit is a gift in us. John 14, 17, the spirit of truth the world can't receive because it does not know him or see him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And at the day of Pentecost, which we will talk about because the, that feast of Pentecost is this month, so it's good timing. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, how he is the gift in us. Okay, so a couple more scriptures here. 
1 John 3, 24 says that he abides in us by the Spirit. Jesus abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given to us. I love that because it confirms that sermon in the sentence. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Again, um, practically thinking, I want to live like Jesus, okay? To do that, you have to let the Holy Spirit help you because his job is to continue what Jesus started in you. Remember Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. How does he do that? Through the helper, through the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. We've been talking about how our house, um, that, that we are a house of God. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says the same thing. Do you not know that you are a temple of, the, of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? The Holy Spirit is in us, willing and working and moving us more and more towards Jesus. That's not complicated, is it? It's not complicated, but we, we forget, or we don't know, or we ignore. And then we wonder why it's like, I'm, I'm either not changing, or I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm not um, exemplifying Christ's nature in my life. Well, where's the Holy Spirit in the mix? I want to show you one more scripture, but I want you to turn there. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. We'll start in um, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were adopt, uh, adoption as son. I'm sorry, I skipped a line. I forgot my glasses. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. Verse six, because you are sons. Everybody say, because I'm a son or a daughter. One more time. One more time. One more time. Because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. He goes on saying, crying, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave, but you are a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bring you into, further and further into, the sonship. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? I love it. Let me give you this last thing if you want to write things down. I want to sum it up one more time. My initial connection with God has been made possible through Jesus Christ. That day in 1993 that I came, became a believer, my initial connection with God has been made possible through Jesus Christ. I put my faith in Jesus. But a year later, what I discovered 
is that my continual connection with God is made possible through the Holy Spirit. You guys understand what I'm saying? Let me say it one more time. My initial connection with God has been made possible through Jesus Christ. My continual connection with God is made possible through the Holy Spirit. Because the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. If you would stand with me. For some in the room, the idea of having a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit is a new idea. And tonight, again, was maybe a little more theological, a little bit more of a framework as we get into some more of the practical over the next couple weeks. So take this framework and go and look at these scriptures and see how God speaks to you, especially if you're, you, you just don't know or haven't understood that you can even have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But if you're here tonight and you're asking, well, how, how do I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Again, we're going to answer that in its entirety, I hope. Um, but here's tonight, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to just kind of bow your head close your eyes, and in your own way, in your own words, I'm going to give you four things. One, acknowledge that he is God. Acknowledge that he is God, that he's not an it, that he is a a who. And if you've been leaning more towards or understanding more that he's an it, that's scary and bizarre and mysterious, which he is mysterious. In your heart, verbally, acknowledge, Holy Spirit, I believe, according to your word, that you are God. Also acknowledge that he is good. If the Holy Spirit is working in your life, even if it doesn't feel like it's good, it's good, because he's working to the end, the completed end of you looking more like Jesus Acknowledge that he's good, God. Acknowledge that he's good. And acknowledge that he is a gift. Acknowledge that he's a gift and, and, and receive that gift. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Receive that help, that comfort, that counsel, that conviction. Receive those things that he is and does. Receive that. Don't reject those things. Understand, believe that he's God, that he's good, and this gift that he is to you, and even the gifts that he gives to you, that they are good. Acknowledge that. And here's the last thing. Acknowledge that you're not afraid of the Holy Spirit. If you've been someone that that has just kind of not wanted to venture into that topic or that portion of the faith, this idea, this thought, of the work of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, because of some preconceived ideas that you have had because of a denominational background or a certain teaching, I'm telling you that he is God, he is good, he's a gift, and he, is, he, he can even be grieved not to be afraid. But it just, and, and, and do this right now. Extend your hand out like this. And even in this moment, well, let's just, let's, the last thing we do tonight together is to um, just to confess that we're not afraid of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we have our hands lifted up to you, extended as a way to receive. We acknowledge together as a body that we are not scared. We are not afraid of your Holy Spirit. 
We acknowledge that you are good. We acknowledge that you are God, that you're a gift. We acknowledge that you are willing and working in our lives to make us more like the Son of God. And we submit right now. If you want to even say that with your own words, I submit to you, Holy Spirit, right now. This could be the night where you yourself come under the submission of the Holy Spirit for the very first time, completely immersed And Lord, we just say tonight as a congregation that we receive everything that you have for us. We submit to you, Holy Spirit, and we ask that you would teach us over the coming weeks, the month of May, more about you, how to live for you, and just how, uh, how to see you move and operate in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.